Milwaukee's MX Fuel equipment system revolutionizes the light equipment market by delivering the performance and durability demanded by the trades. From the MX Fuel cutoff saw and MX Fuel sewer machine to the MX Fuel power supply and the MX Fuel tower light, MX Fuel has you covered without the hazards associated with emissions, noise, vibration, and the frustrations of petrol maintenance. MX Fuel, equipment system, equipment redefined. This episode is also brought to you by our friends at Rick's. Rick's is an Australian lifestyle brand founded with a mission to transform the eyewear industry by creating carefully crafted eyewear that inspires confidence. Everybody should be able to enjoy a touch of luxury and the confidence it brings. See the world differently today. Head online now at rickseyewear.com.au and check it out. Righto, let's get into the show. Morning, Lidzy. Bit of energy from the top, big boy. You know I'm not a morning man. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I hate getting up early. Mate, you said to me, let's get here a bit early and we'll roll straight from 8.30. And what did I say to you? Preparation prevents piss poor performance, But I've been preparing all morning, you know, like in the shower, I've been thinking about what we're going to talk about. Um, I was actually up real late last night. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Thinking about it? Were you a bit nervous? Um, uh, no, nah, never nervous with you. We've got great chemistry, as you know, yeah. in the locker room. Nah, thanks for coming on, mate. It's been good. Uh, Long been- time, mate, since you've asked me and I've yeah, uh, been think- able to wake at work. I but. think sometimes you, um, yeah, you're just always reaching out to new, you know, new blogs. But then I thought, fuck, just, we're catching up so much lately with the other podcasts we're doing. It'd be great to get you on. Um, man, I'm actually really interested. I, this is what I love about podcasts. You, you don't sit down and have a coffee mm. or a beer because when you're having a beer, you probably got blokes around talking shit. A lot of shit talk. Um, and actually ask questions that I'm interested in. And, and the big one today is, well, there's probably two. There's like reflecting on your career and how good it was. Um, and I was with you when it finished, uh, but I also grew up as a kid watching you, like as I was saying the other day, like I, when I was a young kid going to the footy dream time at the G as an Essendon fan, you know, you were at, you like, there's just always you just dominating and then becoming mates, pretty cool to reflect on. But the player agent space, uh, you're heavily involved with at Max Sports, really keen to tap into that. So I thought I'd just start with that at the top. Like yep. wh- how did you transition from AFL, retiring from AFL, and then getting the gig now. And I think you've been doing it for how, long, how many years you've been doing it for uh, now? Since midway through 2020. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, coming up three years. Yeah. Um, mate, it started like ultimately I thought I'm going to be a football player and coaching looks like the natural path for me. I love working with young blokes and thought, you know what, I think development's probably the key. I never really had the aspirations to be a senior coach because I've seen some senior coaches, oh, mate, and they, mate. Just, they flip out. Like they do, don't they? They just, um, yeah, end up going cuckoo, which is, mate, understandable. It's a stressful job, but. Look, for me, it was more about being able to help and guide young blokes and really, um, you know, try and impart some of the stuff that I'd learned over my journey, you know. But ultimately, so I got to Hawthorne um, uh, for about six months, but then COVID hits and first last one in, first one gone, which I understood because there was guys there that were, like they'd been there for eight years and they'd been given the ass as well. So I was like, well, I can't really complain. Um and I got it, like, mate, it was, but what it was, was a blessing in disguise because it wasn't really what I thought the development side of things was going to be in terms of, um, you know, really working closely with the player versus the amount of time behind the computer, um, being able to present and get in front of the group, which is, well, I'm a confident person, but it wasn't my strong suit in terms of the computer and having that all dialed. It took, I'd, like learning keynote and um, sports code and all that sort of stuff. It was foreign to me. It was like speaking Braille. Um, <laughs> I was, um, 
Yeah, so I and ended up just uh, got the ass and went and tried a few other things. So um, I did some labouring. Um, yeah? Yeah, and a couple of other things. What else did I do? I just tried mowing some lawns and all that sort of stuff, thinking maybe landscaping is what I want to do. I love being outside, love mowing my lawns. But well, you work out pretty quick that um, it's good to mow your own lawns, but then when you've got to do someone else's, man, and they're not paying you incredibly well and it's a freezing cold morning like this morning, that's a shitty job. Yeah. Um, sorry, it's not a shitty job. It's just a job that I didn't want to do. Yeah, something you didn't want to and, do. And my hammer and tack, mate, it just started, like I was getting home and my wife's like, how are you going? I was like, mate, I can't move. Like my back is that sore. So I ended up calling um, and getting on a Zoom with my my manager, um, Anthony McConville, Max Sports, and said, mate, I think this is like what I'd really like to um, try my hand at. Do you think I can get in? But he's like, mate, well, if you're going to get in, you've got to get a stake in the game. He goes, I want you to be invested and be really a part of the business. And I was like, oh, mate, it's, I'm retired. You know, things are obviously tight at the moment because we've um, got no job, no income. Um, but then I was like, well... I'm in, mate. I want to be part of it. I want to see what it's like. So I just basically, because it was everything was on Zoom, started doing the um, calling kids, the Zoom calls, trying to sign up these kids all over Zoom, which is, mate, that was an experience in itself. Like talking to kids, um, my first draft would have been uh, the one before Jamara's, I reckon. I don't know who was number one pick that year. Oh, I can't I remember. I can find out. I'm, yeah, I'm hopeless. Yeah. Um, but then we, we ended up going through that. Didn't. Didn't have anyone drafted. I didn't, but we as a club had uh, Caleb Poulter and Liam McMahon um, at Collingwood. Uh, Ollie Henry drafted in the first round. Um, and then a couple of other boys as well. They're all Max Sports. All lads. Max Sports boys. Um, and and then the next year we actually started, like, you're able to get out and about and whatever else. But Cause oh, yeah, so just for so everyone out there forgets, COVID was when you started, so you had to do everything online. Everything was online, yeah, mate. So I'm not, I wasn't doing anything. I wasn't going to watch any footy. The, the champs were just Mickey Mouse games that were just put on because, you know, I was watching the 17s. This is where I first saw this year's number one draft pick, potentially Harley Reid playing as a bottom major, George Wardlaw and Elijah Sardis, those boys that went and all played um, in their top age year last year, you know, so... That, the, just watching the footy, but then being able to talk to these young blokes, mate, and really give them the uh, the guidance and the and helping them with their game because, mate, ultimately I thought saw the opportunity saying, well, I'm fresh out of the game and what everything that I've learned, the biggest thing for kids is being able to actually perform, isn't it? And that's where being able to lean on that, I think, and being able to be that guiding um, force for these kids is something that we really lean on with um, and what I try and portray to young kids because ultimately, mate, you don't need a manager until – You've been drafted, but it's bloody hard to get drafted, you know? So you've got to put so many things in place prior to that and to start to live a really professional lifestyle prior to it because there's, what, 70 kids maybe that get picked up and how many thousands of kids that want to get drafted. So mm. it's never been harder. Like, it is incredibly hard to get drafted, but there's also more opportunities. So mate, we're really about just trying to help these kids um, put everything in place to give them the best opportunity, which is... And the biggest thing, mate, is that it goes back to that development coaching stuff. That's what gives me my kicks. You know, you're talking to kids about their game and the body work and the stuff that they can do. And then they're like, oh, Lids, that works. And I'm just like, man, I know it works. I did it for years. Yeah, but yeah. I'm so glad that you're using it and you're loving it, you know? So um, that that's what gives you the um, – you see a kid's game go from 20 touches and a shot on goal to 25, nearly 30, just through a few little things that we've worked on and spoken about um, through watching his game and different things like that, mate. It's um, – the, the proof's been in the pudding over the last couple of years. We've had, we've changed the way some guys have been going about their footy, which has really helped them get drafted. So, 
It's, um, um, I'm not here patting myself on nah, the back. No, 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 it's good. It's I still you, you remind me of I had Hayden Skipworth. He was working at Connor Sports mm. when I was gonna sign with them or McMax Sports, which I think I've told a funny <laughs> yeah, story. I might have been tell it later, and um. And he, it was just so refreshing to hear because Skip was on a list at the time where he might have just been fresh off it. And, yeah. and it was a very similar approach. It wasn't a sell. It was a, how you going? How can I help? Mm. And you just you just loved to hear it. And as a kid from Riddles Creek, I was. And, um, you know, you'd never had a deeper conversation with a with an AFL player besides a signature at an yeah. open yeah. day. Yeah. It was... Um, yeah, it was really cool. And, I, and it was something that really was a good touch point. So I'd imagine... You're getting a lot of fulfillment out of helping these kids, yeah. but they're building a strong relationship with you. And and ultimately, when they do get drafted, they or before they get drafted, they're probably going, "I feel comfortable with you. I'll, yeah. I'll sign with Max Sports." So yeah. yeah, yeah, it's a great like strategy, but also it's for you. You're not doing it for that. You're you're actually trying to find that thing you're looking for, which is pretty impressive. Well, and that's where I feel like I've landed on my feet, mate. Is that it's um, helping these young guys, and um, you know, I, I reflecting on my career if we go into that later, but it's like, I wish I spent more time dealing with young blokes. I was so selfish in terms of, I just got, if I play well, we'll play well, you know? So, um, that's where you get that fulfillment is that, you know, you're seeing guys really flourish and you're on that journey with them, mate, from a 16 year old, essentially, which I was with Macca, who's my manager way back in, from 2003. Um, you know, you're on that journey all the way through, um, to see them play, you know, get drafted, hopefully play their first game, all that sort of stuff, buy their first house, get married, all that sort of stuff. So you build that really strong connection, but, mm. um, mate, it's great. I love it. Like it's not a day that I go to work and I'm like, oh shit, you know? Yeah. It'd be, yeah. And that's what I remember speaking to Paul and Mal who's been on here and just knowing the industry, but your phone, it, like you ne you never know what could pop up on your phone. How many players have you got on the, uh, on Max Sports Max list? Max Sports, we've got a 35, 40 AFL boys at the moment. Yeah. And then another maybe 10 to 15 boys for this year's draft. Oh, so you've got a fair few coming through. Yeah. Well, there's some good chances and there's some boys that, um, you know, just, uh, you know, they, you play good footy, play well in the champs, um, or even just play really good footy in the back end, you can get yourself a chance, you know, but we've actually got a lot of tall boys this year. So I've got some big ruckmen, um, and some key position players that, you know, it's not a tall draft next year, so hopefully they get a sniff this year. And You're like talking Chinese to the big boys, wouldn't it? <laughs> Telling them how to do some stoppage work. Well, I've said that to my um, to Macca. Uh, it's like, mate, because he's had Max Gorn, Mummy, Trent West, uh, Mark Blake, like heaps of ruckmen over his journey. And I said, mate, I, I don't know about dealing with these big rucks because <laughs> it, it is seriously that foreign to me. I've got no idea in terms of, I said to the, all these other boys, I was like, I can pretty much help you with any other position other than ruck. I said, I haven't played it. Um, yeah. You know, so, uh, yeah, mate, it's uh, it's a bit, the, I think the thing with it is it's just fun, mate, and I enjoy it. Now you see a smile on kids' face, but you, you also ride the highs and, and the lows more in particular, you know, mm. because uh, you know what it's like, mate, you play a shitty game and you're down in the dumps and you're looking for something to help get you back up. I say, right, well, let's go back and watch one of your real good games, you know, pick yeah. yourself back up and get going again. It picks yourself up as well. I, I reckon, I'm not pumping myself up, but I reckon I did a lot for a lot of boys and it, and it helped me because I was always in and out of the team. I understood the fringe, you yeah. know, and I used to see good players get dropped and really struggle yeah. and I used to enjoy picking them back up and then they'd go and flourish again and I used to love seeing blokes that were really struggling like, a, you know, Jack Buckley, Connor Ryden at the yeah, Giants. Yeah. Like I spent a lot of time with them when they were really probably like, what, you know, and I'm like, just trust me, like what you're doing, 
um, is going to is a process, and it's going to you're yeah. going to stand up. You're going to stand. You know, it's a long. You got a long career. The most important thing is just to continue to build. You know, your respect internally, and and then you watch them now, and they you know they're flourishing, and they're just a couple examples. There's a, there's a fair few out there. Yeah. Um, you do get a lot of fulfillment out of it. It kind of takes your own mind away from all your kind of stuff, well, especially internally. I notice, but even now, I I still enjoy. I, mean, I, I know I take the piss about the Gold Coast Suns and <laughs> and me mate Rory Atkins and all that, but. You know, there's a genuine like there's a and Griffin Log a few years ago when he was out of contract and David Mundy when he's out of contract. Like, yeah, I might take the piss, but I'm genuinely serious when I'm messaging the GMs on <laughs> on text message or 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 the coaches on a DM. I'm genuinely serious because it's like it actually is going to help the club if you listen to me, and I don't care if you don't listen to me. But it's just yeah, your yeah. front of mind, and they're probably going, "Wow, I'm you know," because it's just so um, rewarding seeing that you know, what you say work, you know, they come back in and you're like, I told you, Um, but also giving the player a bit of confidence, they've probably got no one else doing that. Yeah. And that's the thing we find, mate, is that um, there's a lot of, you can slip through the cracks really quickly, especially like with young kids, you know, the stars, they look after themselves, you know, your top 10, 20 picks potentially, they're really good players, mate. And they're self-sufficient, still can do with, you know, pep talk every now and again and pick me up, but it's the other guys, you know, the next lot of kids in the draft that are the ones that, you know, they they show a bit, but then they're not really getting the coaching that can take them from being a, a pick 45 right into a, a 20, 20 to 30, you know. They're the ones that you spend a lot of time with to try and elevate their game and say, well, mate, you're doing some good stuff, but mm. um, how can we take that to the next level, you know? And that's and it's not just telling them and being on the phone and talking to them. It's about showing them as well because yeah. we've got vision that we can back it up with. It's amazing, um, and if you ever do go into coaching, I'd hope that um, yeah, it's not that you don't treat every player the same. You've got to treat everyone differently because you've got to spend more time with this, you know, the players that are performing highly. But I just reckon it's underrated the coaches that spend more time with the fringe and the players that are going to help them. And we always talk about it takes all of us to get there. And I, as I said, Craig McCray, I don't even know him, but I watch from afar and I just lo- like, I just would have loved to play a year under him, you know, just to see how much my footy could have got, you know, blossom because he just, he just looks like he's got everyone, you know, under like just everyone's engaged and he, and I don't think he would leave anyone aside. Like I, I definitely reckon I've seen coaches heard about coaches where for some reason they think it's fine not to talk to their players for four weeks, yeah. eight weeks. 12 weeks and it's like it's it's hard to comprehend like I feel like coaches I don't know so I got no you know I got no I can't it's a bit like the ruck I got no idea what it's <laughs> like right there's a lot of stress and all that but when you when you break it all down and you think about coaches growing up even my junior footy coaches love them could name them all um all the way to TSC Cup they spend so much time like Every training session, how are you going? Just a little mate thought you did this, 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 could improve in this. That's enough. Just a little fix. I just find it really strange that coaches don't engage with 40 players on a list. Mm. They only engage with sometimes 12 yeah. and then they leave their line coaches for the rest when, let's be fair, like players want that fix from oh, the head coach. I know and I don't know why they don't. I, I, I don't know. I just feel like that's why I think Craig McRae, I reckon he would get around majority of them and yeah. – um, yeah, so what you're doing is fantastic because what happens is if the coach is not talking to you, you don't have to be a, like Einstein to work out 
mate, you know, keep your head up. You're going to be right. We've got to fix this. Like if you're getting all this advice from blokes like you and coaches still not talking to you, sometimes that advice from you can just keep them up to a level where they're like, yeah, no, you're right. I'm, I'm, I'm nearly there. You know, just keep them like they're like positive and their confidence at a level where they're not going to drop and miss a kick and think, fuck, I'm back in the twos again. Just little things like that. I think that's the the key, mate, is that um, you're, you're constantly looking for ways to keep the boys on the top of their game, but understanding that no one plays 22 good games, you know, like there's, there's plenty of times where you got to find the positives in little things. And I'm not about pissing on anyone's back, mate, and telling them it's raining and just saying, mm. it's, it's awesome, mate. You're going great. Um, because there is a time for honest feedback as well. And being able to say, well, could you have done this a little bit better? What, tell me what you really thought about that, that decision there. And that's what the coaches are saying, you know, but mate, for like the AFL boys, like they've got that many noises and voices and that and people talking to them. So it's, it's for the kids that are coming through to say, well, and it's never to step on anyone's toes, mate. I'm not stepping on any coach's toes and saying, don't stand where the coach is telling you to stand. Don't, uh, I want you to stand over here. I want you to take six bounces and kick goal of the year. It's none of that. It's all craft sort of stuff, things that you can really add to your game that'll just elevate your game, um, you know, so. It is the basics, isn't it? it mate, it's yeah. fundamentals. And that's what, mate, it took me years to work out how physical you need to be at stoppage. It wasn't until I played on one of your mates, Nat Five, Mate, borderline murder. Like some of the stuff he was doing to me neck and pushing me out of the way. I was like, God, and he gets away with it. I was like, I'm going to start trying this. Yeah. Works. So you start showing kids. It's like, no, this is how physical you need to be. And I see some young boys that we're working with now, their stoppage craft and some of the things that they're doing because we've had a training session with them. They're getting themselves separation just through trying these little things. And then you talk to them, they're like, oh, mate, that works. It's so good. I said, mate, there's a reason why Fifey's won a couple of brown Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. guy can play a bit, and he's, but he, he does the prep work before it, you know? So, yeah. Mate, let's, that's just our little niche at the moment and we're capitalising on me being fresh out of the game and, you know, I'm constantly learning about uh, the business and the art of negotiation and um, what you do and you don't say and how much your relationships count right across the board. Like, it's not just – so I look at your old manager, Paul, and he is the, the most connected bloke I've ever met. You know, everywhere he goes, he knows something. Mate, I jumped on the train grand final day, just picked a random carriage, um, Lo and behold, there's Paul, and he's talking to most people up and down that carriage. Yeah, <laughs> and I was yeah, just like, yeah. how do you know so many people, mate? Yeah. But um, it, that's what it, it's mostly about, mate. And I'm a country boy at heart, so I you know, really try and extend out to the country and, and try and connect with a lot of those people because I understand what it's like being from the country, how much you have to travel, how you can be forgotten, um, and how little people or how much they take for granted the the – you know, the Metro boys, yep, train, you know, three times a week in here, uh, whereas the country boys, one time a week, and most of the boys are travelling between an hour and two and a half hours just to get to that one training session, getting home at nearly midnight and then going to school the next day. So I get all that. I went through that myself. Um, so I lean on that a heap, you know. But at the end of the day, mate, I'm a pretty laid back sort of a guy with uh, how I approach the the boys and try and be quite receptive because I can understand there's a stigma about, oh, you played and you've done all this, mm. but... I try not to be that at all, and I don't want any bloke to feel like they or any young kid to talk, ring up, and just be like, "Lids, I just want to have a chat about how we're going." Hey, absolutely, I encourage all of them to try and do that, mm. um, and I love those chats because you you find out a little bit more about these kids and how they're actually going, you know. But um, I'm loving it, mate. Nah, it's, it's good. Going really you can well. kind of tell as well. Like we we, I mean, we had shit endings. Like in terms, we were literally and and it's well documented. But both had real tough calf. Uh, obviously, oh, everyone would know yours more because you're a superstar. But we we're in rehab for oh, however known. Obviously, we both just rolled out on one leg. Um, and, and in a footy place, it's very intense, and you're and you're very stressed. 
Um, there's a lot going on, but I get every time I catch up with you now, you're just more relaxed and you, um, you're like, you know, you got that father figure kind of like you're very, um, sound with advice. I can just tell it's just like, you're really enjoying, you know, this, this phase in your life now. And it's probably not as intense, you know, as we know, AFL riggers, it's intense, but there was that stress of, like you could tell like time's ticking and got to get the rig right. And, you know, I was in the same boat cause I had no contract either. And you could just see it was a real, it's just different space you're in now. When we yeah. catch up, it's like, you know, you just look and feel like a different human, you know? Um, and it's good, mate. It's good to see you thriving. Cause the reason I ask is a lot of people struggle post footy and I'll, I'll put my hand up. Like I was doing stuff for my own business. I was working at Rick's and then started this and, but there's a there's that hole in your heart of like I still have it now like I don't know what it is I'm missing something and it's a team sport it's a locker room you know and I don't want to go in and play footy at the moment because I'm trying to build the business and do other things and enjoy life a little bit more after the you know the, the, the all the years including the TSC Cup days because yeah. people forget how hard they are yeah yeah um but it is hard when you step away from a footy club because yeah. you're stepping away from a hundred people a minimum. And then obviously you, you, um, you're not training every day. So you're just f- filling your other days with how to exercise. So it's good to see that you're, you know, you're going well and, um, and you've transitioned because mm. that's, I mean, you, I guess being a player and manager as well, have you seen a fair few players transition and struggle? I mean, you would have seen a few now that have had yeah, the, the not, chop. Yeah. Not, not guys that I've um, been directly of have managed just yet. Cause I'm still so young in the game, but we do still, we've got a couple of boys um, that got, when I was there, got drafted and then have been let go since. And just being able to keep them on track, but still following up to make sure that they're still playing good footy. If they've still got that drive, mate, we're still there to help out and try and do everything. But if they're saying, listen, no, I'm stepping away, I'm going to go and just play with my mates and whatever, that's fine, mate. We'll still stay in touch, but there's probably not much we can do from a management point of view other than if, you know, Caleb Poulter made it um, at the pies, he's big mullet marketable sort of a dude still making some good coin off his Instagram and his socials because yeah. his, his missus has um, got a huge following and that sort of stuff as well so mate you still have stuff coming through the door for him but it's like he still comes in and does a, a game review with us and we sit down and say mate this is where you know this is what other clubs are saying about your game and how you can really help yourself um, because he, he likes the um, honest feedback you know it's not just watered down oh it's not too bad mate yeah that's a good yeah. kick there and bullshit yeah. bullshit whatever um, but mate, yeah, look, I, I guess to go back to what you were saying about the being happy, um, and content was, I, I, I took it way too long to realize that footy wasn't everything. Um, and I've just been reflecting on that quite a bit of late. Someone else asked me this question not that long ago, but it was, if footy was everything to me, mate. And I, I, and I say that with, you know, I hold my breath a little bit, but if I didn't take it so seriously, I probably don't have the career that I did have because I was one eyed, selfish, um, to the detriment of, you know, my relationship with my now wife and um, my family at times, um, you know, my brother and now sister-in-law say the first time uh, we met, I met her, I was, my brother was living with me, I just played on a Thursday night, played a stinker, we lost, and she's like, and Matt's like, my brother's, uh, Brett, this is Hannah, um, would you like to, and I was like, hey. I, mate, I feel like an asshole because I treat yeah, her like yeah, shit. Yeah. So I, was just, I was just so focused on, oh, geez, I'm down the bottom in the stacks and I haven't had a great game and I've put all this work in and yeah. now I've just played an absolute rubbish game round one. Um, they still bring it up and remind yeah, me of yeah, it. It's good. It's good. It's a, a reminder in terms of how serious footy was and how seriously I took it. But now to the point where I'm like, you know what? It's, it's a great job, mate. And you know how good it is. Like you love it when you're in it. 
but you've also got to understand that it is just a job and yeah, you know, you, you're not, it's not like you're not invested and that's what the fans want to see and they understand all that, but you still got to have that piece of you that's just like, you know what, I got way too down on losses and bad performances, you know, to the detriment of my mental health, but, you know, didn't get up and enjoy the wins enough and the good times as well, you know, because it was like, maybe that'll be hold go against me in terms of how I go and play finals and we might not be good enough. I remember running around the tan here with Chrissy Newman, one of my best mates. Um, we'd started our running program and the prelim finals were on and I was just like, this is fucked. Yeah. I said, we can't be doing this, mate. We've got to get back and play finals. And I don't know whether you remember that Powerade day with um, Adam Goods and he's running around. He's just like, grand final, grand final. And he's drinking the Powerade. That used to go through my head when things were getting hard. And I'm just thinking, <laughs> I've got to get to a granny. That's what I've got to do. You know, I've got to – and everything I did was to try, think that I'm going to be better. I'm going to train harder. I'm going to do more than anyone else because that'll make me better. That'll make us better. And hopefully I can bring everyone else along for the ride with me. Now, what I didn't understand is that to bring other people along, it wasn't just showing it and it wasn't just being a hard ass and saying that's not good enough, you know, work harder, be better. It was more about understanding and um, guidance, what I've got now, you know, you know understanding the different blokes, um, understand and get the best out of themselves in different ways, you know. Um, so that's probably like a, a regret over my journeys because that's how I got taught, you know. It was like mm. work hard, get rewards, and everything else take care of itself. So, um, I learned that way. And so then I probably delivered that, um, speech and Brandon Ellis actually talks to me about it still. It was like, man, I remember going to the vending machine and getting a chocolate bar, um, on a trip away. And I was like, mate, are you fucking serious? What are you doing there? You're buying a chocolate bar. <laughs> and he's like, mate, I still think of that every, now when I'm running out the plane. I was like, mate, well, it stayed with you, didn't it? Yeah. Um, but mate, I, um, I probably was a little bit too stiff and one eyed, but I also I'm thankful that I was because I that gave me the career that I had and I'm incredibly proud of the career I had. Um so yeah. Do you think that the way you are now with the way you're mentoring kids, you've just you've found a greater appreciation for that younger generation and, and obviously they're even like the, the generation coming through, they're way more different to yeah. probably the ones that you could have um helped. But just you're just touching on it now that it was more about, you know, probably more intense and um you worked even harder and very direct with your feedback. But now going through what you're doing and helping these young kids, like if you look back now, how would you approach um, your days at Richmond and, and, and the Giants. How what would you be? What how would you have changed the, your way of going about it? To as you said, you're at the top of your game. So, and I and I I understand this as well as a young player. You you can't you can't treat young players like you because they're still developing and they don't think like you and everyone's different. So you've, t you've kind of hit the nail on the head. Um, and it's great that you reflect. And as I said, you look so much happier. You can tell that you've, you've worked it out a bit. Uh, what would have you done differently with the, with the, like, the brand analysis of the world and all these young players that I guess, even at Richmond that you've seen, it kind of blossomed, but what would, um, what would have you done differently? Well, I think mate, the biggest thing and how I tried to bring other boys along was I'd, especially in off season, that was where I did most of my work with other players. In season, it was uh, more about getting your body right and um, performance and whatever else. But I'd constantly be texting blokes, say, come on, let's go. We'll go and train together. And I used to get so shitty with blokes that would pull out at the last minute. Oh, no, I've, I've slipped in. Oh, I, I can't be bothered today. I'm going to go later. I'm like, never go later because then it doesn't happen. Well, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, I was always get up, shop early, beat the rush. Ivan Maric loves that saying. And um, I was big on that as well. You know, get up, get it done, and then you get the rest of your day to yourself. And I still say that to my young blokes now. 
I think it's more about understanding um, just that not everyone gets it and sees it the way that I did. Um, and that, it took me a long time to grasp that, that it's like, are you serious? You dumbass. Like, how do you not see it? That's how you shouldn't, you shouldn't be playing that way. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. just do this. It's like, man, I don't understand what you mean. Just do that. You, that just comes naturally to you. Yeah. You just know to run to that position. I was like, yeah, yeah. Now I think back about it. I'm like, yeah, I get that. You know, I, I took it for granted that blokes were just as clued in. And it wasn't until I probably got to the Giants that I was like, man, these guys don't even really watch that much footy. They don't even understand. Yeah. Different what, group. What, hey, oh, great. mate. I, and I'd, Sit next to Witters, who was the most laid back, um, number one draft big superstar halfback flanker wingman that I've seen. But just laid back, roll in, backpack on the shoulder, just like, yeah, oh, well, we'll go out and train now. Roll around on his left, just lace blokes out. But um, whereas I was like, how do you do that? Like, come on, switch on, let's go. We're, yeah. we're a professional outfit here, you know, but he would train as hard as anyone, but, but then just be like, yeah, oh, well, it is what it is. Yeah. You know, my body's the way it is because <laughs> that's, I'm just that way, you know. Um, whereas my attitude was always like, well, don't have it that way. Do more. You know, what yeah. are you eating? What are you drinking? You know, all that sort of stuff. And it's like, well, he's still playing good footy um, and that's keeping him happy and keeping him sane. Well, uh, allow that to be, you know, versus one size fits all and my way or the highway, mm. you know. It's funny. Um, I think about Richmond from the outside and Emma Murray's well yeah. documented with all the boys and all the work they've done with their minds probably um, and their, and, and uh, working together as a team. Was she there when you were there? Uh, she just started as I was leaving, yeah. So yeah. I'd gone into that, that space a little bit too with the meditation and – um, that with my ex-captain Kane Johnson. So that was a big turning point in my career as well. Uh, 2014, wasn't playing great footy. Uh, started like, I was just average, you know, I wasn't dominating games or anything like that. So I invested in myself, got in touch with um, Shugzy and he's basically taken me on this journey of me- meditation, mindfulness, but then also completely changing my diet and how I ate, you know, getting away from, um, carbs and all that sort of stuff, but getting light, you know, huge amounts of salads and, um, good fresh proteins and all that sort of stuff. Uh, and I'd never done that before. You'd think that's funny when you're given the, um, you know, the professional, uh, lifestyle, but I hadn't gone that way before. I was like, I'm pretty good. Like I'm in good shape. Skinny's always good. Good rig. Um, natural, I reckon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> worked hard for it. <laughs> Just blessed, you reckon? Yeah. Um, no, but look, I uh, I had to take it to another level and I, I worried about the outside noise more than a lot um, probably uh, understand, but it was whatever anyone was thinking of me, I'd be really worried about what my teammates would think if I didn't play a good game, I'm getting kissed on the dick by the coach because I didn't play that well, but he doesn't say anything or whatever else. Yeah. The media are saying stuff in the paper, I'd, I'd read it all, I'd listen to it all. And he said, mate, that, none of that shit matters. You know, when you really think about it, if we, and that's when we started the meditation and really starting to understand just uh, being present, you know, what matters is me and you right here, mm. you know, and I don't want to get all spiritual. No, no, you're spot on though. It's good for people to understand. But I got to the point where I was like, you know what? It doesn't matter. And my uh, relationships with players and everything else become so much better because I'm, I realized that they didn't care about all that stuff. What they cared about is my time with them. Um, and then my form just went like through the roof, started averaging a couple of goals and 25 plus and um, just having damage on the game, you know, versus run of the mill, tagged by Krause and Tendai and uh, having a stinker against the Dockers <laughs> on the G. Um, 
and then I took that into 2015, continued with it, went really well. Um, and then 16 was just a shitty year, mate, that ended up being a um, complete uh, train wreck. But, um, injuries after injuries, tore my quad a couple of days before round one and then calf at the end of the year, mate. It was just times were ch- telling me that I needed to, something needed to change. When I, was dri- I drove home one night and we lost, um, and there's a huge heap of hype about you know, Brettolio plays and Richmond win. And then we lost to basically Port Adelaide's twos. They had a heap of stars out. Robbie Gray and Travis Boker, I reckon we're out. Westhoff potentially out as well. I was like, well, we should knock these blokes over. And we lose. Um, and I played okay. First game back in seven weeks. Um, but felt this huge guilt. Drove in my street. And I was, tears just started pouring down my face. And I sat there and spoke to my wife until about one, two o'clock in the morning. And I said, I can't do this shit anymore. You know, this is yeah. really starting to wreck me. And um you know, I, I, I just said, I started to explore what it would look like changing clubs then, you know, around six or seven, 2016, you know, caught up with my manager. I was like, mate, this is what I'm thinking. Still had a year to run on my contract. I, I think I need something different, you know. But then ups and downs of footy, you know, you start to play, you get back from your injuries and you start to play okay, you go all right. Then a stinking game. We played a night game down at Tassie, get beaten by 90 points by the Kangas. Um, and the next day, Dimmer comes in. He goes, "You leadership group, you are piss weak. You in particular." And I'm just like, "Fuck this! I don't need this shit." Mm. Um, uh, which started just the whole up and down. And then I hurt my calf in a game round 17 or 18, and just called it quits basically for the rest of the year. I said, "No, listen, I'm just going to get my body right for next year. Play the kids." Um, all the while in the back of my head, I'm thinking, "I'm thinking I'm leaving this joint," you know. Mm. And it wasn't until I plucked up the courage to go and see Dimmer straight after the season. I just said, mate, I think I need to change, you know, and I had a great relationship with him where I could just tell him and talk to him about anything. And he thought he was under the bus as well at that stage. Like he- um, I think he was. I think he was. Yeah. yeah. So he was right under the pub and he he could see it, um, you know, and he said, he's, I said, mate, I think I want to go to Geelong. So I'd always had dreams. My brother lives down in Torquay. Um, I've always wanted to live by down by the beach, country sort of feel club, obviously being a country boy. Um, but he said, mate, I reckon you should go to the Giants because there, I was like, oh, really? I've got a young family. I just had my first daughter like 18 months before that. Um, shit frightened, to be honest. I was shit Dimmer fr- said that to you. He said, I think you should go to the he Giants. He sounds like a river, Dimmer. Yeah, because he goes, mate, I want you to experience what I've experienced, you know, the premiership and what that's like. And the Giants look like they just played off in the 16. They had a good prelim, list. Had yeah. a great list, young and exciting. Um, probably could have knocked off the dogs had they got a couple of things right. Mm. Um, and then they smacked the Swans, you know, only two weeks before. Uh, and Stevie didn't play. That's, he tells me that he was the difference, big Stevie J. Um, <laughs> I've got to get him on, actually. <laughs> um, but I, I, when he said that to me, I was like, man, I can't do that. There's no way I can move to Sydney. So I went through the process of meeting with Chris Scott and Steve Hawking of the Cats. Um, that ultimately fell through because uh, there was just too much of a discrepancy in terms of what I was going to be paid as a for my contract, for what I was going to get to go down there because I just didn't have room. I'd come on, come to them too late with it, essentially. Then the dogs came about because they'd won the flag and I had a mate who knew Bevo. I said, mate, just text him and say, I'm keen to come to the dogs. I've got to get out of the TIGs. Um had a meeting with him and Jace McCartney, um, had a medical with him. I'm sitting out the front of the medical and unfortunately I'm like, they're testing my calf range and I just nicked me calf at this point in time. Oh, Jesus. So I'm like trying, I'm just going, 
Oh yeah, that's good. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh mate, you know a calf like oh, and trying shit. to do heel raises, oh. um, or calf raises, mate. So I'm I'm battling through that. Oh, can you jump on it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm just <laughs> shooting pains right up the back of my leg. That's the worst thing you can do. Pulling for the wool over their eyes, and I. Cambo rang me and he's like, mate, I need to know because we got Will Hoskin Elliott who's probably going to leave as well um, if you say you're going to come. I sat there with Katie in the car at the front of the doctor's office in South Yarra and I was just like, what do you think, mate? You think we can, you think we can do it? She goes, I'll back you with whatever you want to do. I said, well, I had an opportunity to leave the TIGs in 2009. Um, I was out of contract to go to the Pies. They win the flag in 2010. So that's in the back of my mind. And I'm thinking – if I say no and then the Giants go on and win two of the next three or whatever, because that's what they look like doing. Yeah. Um, how do I how do I forgive myself for that, you know, not being ballsy enough to grab that opportunity and say, you know what? Yeah, loyalty's great and playing at one club is fantastic. Um, and that opportunity was there. But I've also got this other opportunity that I pussied out on um, back in 09. We'd just come off wooden spoon. Dimmer was um, just starting as a coach. Pussied out, Colling would go and do what they did. Luke Ball ended up taking that, gets his first flag. Played off in the uh, drawn grand final. Against Saints, yeah. Against the Saints. Um, so I'm like, I have to do it, don't I? I said to Katie, we have to do this. Um, she goes, it'll be hard, but yeah, we can we can do it. We can make it work. Um, so I rang Cam, I said, mate, I'm in. And it wasn't until the death knock of trade period that it actually went through the Always day, the case, isn't it? Uh, the day of, my sister got married, you know. Um, so we're up down in Torquay. Uh, she's getting married in the bridal party. Having that, so that took my mind off it completely. Hammered that night. Yeah, Next day, yeah, I'm yeah, like, yeah, right, yeah. how do we go about getting the flag? And this is always my mentality. So my brother, two hoodies on, boxing mitts out, <laughs> and we're just going for it, mate, for an hour. Like just sweating that piss out. And I'm like, I'm coming back. I'm ready to go. Yeah. Um, but, mate, yeah. Like... We'll, t- we'll touch on it. So there's, there's everyone everyone that doesn't know, we all know that this next year is challenging for a few reasons. And we'll tap into there's two reasons um, and the perspective you've got on one of them, but also you meet your old team in a prelim, prelim. and lose. And yeah. we'll talk about that in a second. But do you think now just that change, that made you a better person, that's helped you right now as a player agent, yeah. that's that's made you understand that there's more to footy than than footy you've got to meet some amazing people like I, I'm the, like the Giants football club like I'm going up to a past players event after this I played two games I feel so a part of it I still yeah. very close to Dill Addison and the club and the players probably because they're the most recent but it is a club in AFL I'd imagine unlike any because they're trying to just they, they, they got such strong glue with anyone that's been there they bring them back as men, like as much as they can you're always welcome in the rooms you're always welcome to things um, the, the the change for you might have opened up your eyes to you know like again you release some stress and it's a fresh start you would have felt like a kid going to school again like yeah. all that stuff did that reinvigorate your career even though you did have some no luck with yeah. your body but did it reinvigorate you? Mate the first six weeks was awesome as I was training really well in the sun um you know, feeling like, you know what, I'm going to be made a real difference to this team. And I'm not, I don't feel like the whole weight of the world is on me to be the best player. Just play your role. Just play my role and, and chip in. And But I feel like my game can go to another level because of the release of that stress, you know. Um, but then, yeah, one session, mate, just bang, calf, and out. Um, and we tried, I reckon – maybe four, five, six reoccurrences of, you know, let's build up slow, get it going, bang, gone. You know, and it was, like you said, it was not until 
uh, I didn't get back to play until around 18 or 19, you know, that, 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 that year. But it did reinvigorate me, mate. And that, um, just to go back on that, it was a real, uh, that, that back to school um, sort of mentality. I was shit frightened the first day I rolled yeah, into the scary. club because it, I knew hardly any of these boys and I'm sitting there locking number seven and I'm like, I, I know these boys from afar and I've had some good battles with a few of them, like Tobes and I butted head a couple of times on there because he, <laughs> um, you know, he'd gotten into Milesy who used to play up there at the uh, at the Giants as well. Milesy then became one of my teammates, but I was like, you know, some of these blokes, like, I'm not sure how I'm going to be received, you know. I knew Shorey and, and Griff because I played against them for years. Um, Griff and I are in the same draft. So I lent on those sort of boys and Griff was obviously tight with Jezza and Big Door Simpson, just a good country bloke. Oh, what a guy. Um, exactly. So, and Stevie was there, who was great for me as well because a couple of old boys, he actually tried to get me up there prior to making any decisions at my mates, uh, one of my best mates from back home wedding. Um, they know each other, mutual connection. Um, so I, yeah, Stevie's there like saying, man, you got to come. We're going to win three, three of the next four flags. Mate. <laughs> this is what's happening. Yeah. Um, you know, so I... Yeah. Well, I can't remember where I was going with You're that. You're saying like a kid out of school. And yeah. 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 Round 18, you got your first game Round back. 18, got my first go back. Like, I had to come back through the twos. I'd never come back through the twos before. I was just like, I'm not doing that. Like, what's, <laughs> um, but I understood because I had so many weeks off and I only had to play a half. Um, so I, yeah, played my first half out of Blacktown. Um, we ended up getting the win, which was awesome. But then I had to go and run like six or seven two hundreds oh, after it. Welcome to welcome to second grade. <laughs> <laughs> that was me, bread and butter, mate. Yeah. I used to do that on, uh, playing first grade. Yeah. I'd be doing laps after the game. Mate, the boys were waiting to go off the ground. I'm still running two hundreds. That's the I'd perspective to... you're getting, though. Like that's what you now know. Like yeah. that's the shit I had to go through. That's why I love talking to younger guys. Going, yeah. Fuck yeah. you know, that's what these guys like you. That if you go to kept playing your career, nothing happened. You'd find out later in life it's a bit harder. Yeah. That's the shit that I reckon. When, when the superstars understand that there's a bloke doing laps while you're singing the song yeah. and you got you go out there and clap him on his last lap, that makes him feel better than anything. You yeah. know what I mean? That's 100%. that little things like that that it's good that you went through. Yeah, and mate, it was. It was one of the toughest periods um, just to get back. I and mean, I spent countless hours. Were you there with Mike? Lanc I got at the end of Mike. So I was, when Mike. I got picked yeah. up, I had him for two months yeah, and then he yeah. left still keeping contact on Instagram actually mate, he's a ledge Spion um, he wasn't there because I reckon my career would have been still yeah. going well he mate um, I've developed a really strong relationship with Mike he's the physio for anyone else yeah. out there that doesn't know um, to the point where he came over for dinner he's, his wife and that were back home uh, wife and two little, uh, little kids he came over for dinner um, and as I'm saying goodbye mate he's like oh there's something I've got to tell you and I was like oh what is it and he goes I'm actually I've been giving my job back at uh, Harlequins mate I'm, I'm going back I said, fuck, kid me. I, am. Like, oh, I was that devastated because he got me back yeah. and got my body feeling great. And it was just through time and different things. He explored so many to the point where two years later, after I'd finished, he rang me and he said, mate, I'm still doing work on calf stuff and how it's going to, how it affects. And I see all his Twitter feed. He's just, this is on calf and soleus and what the uh, ramifications of what things you do day to day that can help. Yeah. Mate, it's, uh, it was a minefield. But um, get back, played that. Game and I started to play some really good footy. Like started to really find my feet. Um, you know, we played through the finals. Uh, just on the eve of the finals, I'm doing a training session, thinking I've hardly played this year. I'm fresh as. Tried to explode out of the goal square, and I've had Achilles issues right throughout my career, and just feel this little twing in me in my Achilles. I'm like, oh Jesus, that was a bit sore. Hopefully that comes good. Um, Carried that right throughout the final series to the point. I don't know whether you've ever had Achilles tendonitis or anything, mate, but Christ, it is 
chronic. Mm. Um, and I, and you, I see, and I used to text um, Jared McVeigh a bit because Callum Mills had it, and I said, try this. You know, all these things that I'd tried that got it back um, for Callum Mills because when you see guys that have it, you understand their pain and what they're going through. Uh, big Nick Nats going through it at the moment, Achilles tendonitis. It's just, it's a miserable. I had tendonitis. Is it stuff that you just got to warm them up and keep them warm? Was it similar stuff? Yeah, but the Achilles don't tend to warm up because there's not a whole heap of blood flow going down there to yeah. the Achilles. Um, and it's, it feels like it's about to snap most times you run. Um, and you at a slow pace, it is just miserable and you, you can't run around sprint all day in a game of footy. Like, um, every step is just, anyway. I carried that right through the final series. Um, we played a pretty ordinary game against Adelaide in the quali and then smacked the Eagles in the semi. So now let me just, I don't, I don't want to skip over this, but because I want to just break this down. There's two reasons, but you smack them. You go to the prelim, right? You, you got this issue. People wouldn't really know. Uh, you're playing your old team, yeah. Richmond, in a prelim. Game 250. 250, I didn't even know that. So yeah. your 250th you're at the G, the Giants versus Richmond, mm. the headlines, I'd imagine, would have been everywhere. Were you absorbing that external noise or had you learned to block it out at that point yet? Uh, or you're just reading everything about your 250th and how yeah. this could be redemption or this is the biggest game of your life, all that kind of stuff. Well, I knew it was the biggest game of my life because I hadn't played in a prelim before. Um and I was just super excited by that. You know, I, I, I was like, you know what? Well, I'm this close to playing in a granny. And that was what I'd worked everything for. And there's a reason why I left Richmond ultimately. Um, so, yeah, I was reading it, mate. I, and it was a bit about, you know, when you play 250, you look back on there's some stories coming through where you've done some things. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that, you know, and it's it's good to reminisce a little bit. But um, the biggest part of it was, yeah, for me was – my body's and I spent hours icing and trying to get this Achilles right just so I could come out and perform and not embarrass myself against mm. my old teammates, my old supporters. It was your first time against your old team as well? First time. Yeah. So I'm uh brave face. Yeah, got this. No one knows about the injury. No. Oh, the physios and the coach yeah. did and um not many of my teammates probably. I just put hours into it to try and get it right. Um Mike I think Mike was there at that stage. Yeah, he was. Yeah. Um he knew all about it. and oh, He was, obviously, because he got me through my calf stuff. Um, and I'm just battling away, mate, trying anything, um, putting heat through it, putting uh, like a numbing cream. Um, yeah, mate. Anyway, that doesn't work. I, I feel I play an absolute mare of a game, like one of the worst games I've been a part of, apart from being tagged by Lingy in a 160-point loss um, at Marvel. <laughs> I told mum that that's it for me. I'm going back to cricket uh, after that game. <laughs> um, I just remember being like, I didn't touch it until my, in the second quarter, Josh Caddy comes to me at quarter time. He goes, fuck, are you out here, are you? I was like, will you fuck off, mate? Get out of my face. He goes, you don't know this, but none of these blokes even like you. I got in, tried to get inside his head and then Stevie come over the top. Apparently after the game, he was talking to Grigg and he's like, mate, you said that no one even likes Grigg. He's like, mate, that's the oldest trick in the book. Everyone yeah, says yeah, that yeah. about your old teammates. Um, sorry, Josh, if you have a listen, mate. I, <laughs> I don't mean any of that, but um, I was angry, mate. And I was getting worked up. Dusty had come from behind and just smacked me in the back. I was like, you fucking jerk. You're a good mate to them. Good so mate to him. in your head as well. He got inside my head. Grigg then comes over the top and gives me a knee or an elbow that rattled me. Like I was seriously rattled after that. Um, high free kick, kick it. To a no man's land, like it goes nowhere. Sitting on the bench in the third quarter, Tigers have got a run on. They're flying. It was a tight game as well, wasn't it? It was for a, 
large period of it. We lost, obviously, our best player, Shearley, got knocked out by Koch. Um, so Shearley didn't play after quarter time, um, which really hurt us a bit because he was on fire. Mm. And then, yeah, they started to run away with it. And I just remember sitting there just thinking, oh, I'm not sure I want to be here. Sub me out. Like, I, If Shearley wasn't there, I would have been like, give me, if there was a vest still, I would say, yep, give me the vest. Just that rattled. I was rattled, mate. Um, it was hard. It was tough. Like, I really... Um, it was an out of body sort of experience. Ninety four thousand, two thousand giant supporters, I reckon, and, and last and on and on one leg essentially. And you're probably playing. What are you playing? Half forward. I know. I played half back. Half back. Playing on Castagna, Rioli, and Dan Butler. These little whippets that are just flying speed. around. Yes. Yeah, and I'm doing my best. I thought, well, if I'm going to do it, I'm just going to tackle as hard as I can. And Jake Townsend puts me on my ass. With, Don't <laughs> argue. There's a photo of, and he sends it to me straight after. He goes, couldn't get the old boy, could you? <laughs> Cheese keg. <laughs> Isn't he a machine? Yeah. Legend. Oh wow! I mean, again, like these are kind of like I've had the big, we saw the other day, like me, me biggest mare in a prelim as well. You know, dropping that mark and against Cyril, it's it's um probably forgotten about now. But like, you just got to look back and laugh. You know, yeah. you put yourself in these positions as a kid that you'd only dream of to say, hey, do we want to play two fifty and play your old team? Yeah. This is a script, not play at all or play two fifty, play like a dog, <laughs> play like an absolute dog. But you you know you get to learn a lot of lessons and um later in life you realise it's not as important as you probably think mm. um but yeah man it's pretty it's it's cool to just talk about it but yeah how hard was it after that like did you beat yourself up yeah oh, i took that so hard mate i remember tearing up on the ground and just seeing like those boys and i was appreciative of the love that a lot of those boys gave me i mean it's easy when you've won i get it um but mate, they are some of my best mates that i'd gone through all the hard times with but it wasn't until later in that week that i actually realized these guys are going to play in a granny and I feel, and I'm like, I hate these blokes now. I can't stand them. Like I, and I was like, you know what? Adelaide's been the best team all year. They won't even win. So it'll be fine. They'll, they'll lose and, and I'll feel good about it. You know, I remember my wife, and I've said this publicly before, is my wife was like, you know what? I don't think it's good for your health, mate, to watch the game because I'd watch every granny for years. Watch the game or anything like that. Switch off, switch your phone off. We'll go to the zoo with um, our young, our eldest daughter and we'll have a day out and stay away from it. I'm up there shooting hoops. My little girl's riding her bike, just learning. And this guy's got on his fucking pocket. Would you believe it? I'm just like, you're kidding me. In Sydney, I've never had any football ever in Sydney. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this bloke's got on his pocket at the playground that I'm at on a basketball court. Um, <laughs> I get home and I go to the toilet, come back out, and I'm, I'm looking. I check the scores thinking it must be nearly done. And I'm just like, you are fucking kidding me. They're up <laughs> by 35 points. They're going to win. A couple of minutes left. And I just went off, like completely lost it and just went to my room and just like a tantrum, like a little 13-year-old girl. <laughs> yeah. Like my little girls do now. Tantrum, slammed the door and laid on the bed and just was like, I'm, I was a mess. And I said to my wife, I'm so sorry that I've brought you up here. I've done all of this, you know, I – I'm so sorry. I've, I've made it so hard for us because I've been a misery all year because I've been injured and whatever else. And But this was me, again, going back to just being selfish and thinking it's all about me, you know. Um, and mate, I couldn't give enough credit to my wife and how mm. she handled it and kept me completely together and us as a family, um, you know, a bit, um, through that journey of me think, feeling sorry for myself and being like yeah. – and, mate, and to be honest, like I handled, and I've said this as well before, that I handled the whole Richmond winning that flag miserably because I was hurt, mate. Like I was genuinely gutted. 
that I was, I'd worked so hard and gave everything to try and get them there to then see them do it without me. I was just like, was one year out as well. One, mate, and that's the thing. It's like, but I talk to so many people now and they come up and they pat you on the back and say, mate, loved watching you as a player. That's great. Um, who would have known, mate? Like, who would have thought that's where we're at? You know, in tw- at the end of 2016, wheels falling off, so, a, a minority group trying to overrun the board, trying to get rid of Dimmer, focus on footy, whatever, to being back to where they were. And they just looked like they were just loving their their time um, to win the flag. I was just like, fuck these blokes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, that's why sport's so good, right? Like, it's just backs against the wall. No one expected it. Um yeah, you know, y- your story comes out of this. It's, it's, it's yeah, I mean, it, I, I, I still remember it happening. Obviously, really good mates with Brandon Ellis and a few of the boys that were there. And, um, you know, Richmond were a laughing stock at the time. They'd finished ninth every year. They couldn't even make the finals, yeah, you yeah. know, and then they've gone on and become one of the greatest teams that we've seen in my time, um, probably Brisbane and them. Yeah. So, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it's you're stiff. But again, you got to reflect and say, well, I wouldn't have met the Giants people and I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now so well. Oh, exactly. You know, you might be still selfish and, and struggling in the role and not being able to transition. So uh, it's good to reflect and it's good that you're honest. Appreciate the honesty. Um, oh, well, things got even harder the next year, mate. So it's not even... <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. The, I mean, we might as well touch on it, but like the granny and then obviously the, the calves and getting there and... It's just once you do a calf as well, people out there like it, it's just a reoccurrence, isn't it? Yeah. It's there's a weakness in there, and yep. it only takes Scar one. Tissue, mate, and away she goes again. One day it's a bit cold, and Nick. Yeah. Have you you reflect on all the giant stuff and all that? Like, do you if you have you, you moved on? Like, how long did it take you to move on? Uh, I, I used to still get a little bit shitty post retirement about it all because you get the odd jerk who'd come into your DMs and be like. How do you feel about the Tigers, mate? You made a great decision there, didn't you? You know, and they really love like laying the boots in. But mate, I'm so comfortable with the career that I had and knowing that I gave everything to try and get the best out of myself. Um, and that's all you can do as a player, can't you? Um, you know, and I feel like um, you know, I gave it all to try and be the best player I could be. Um, wasn't always probably the greatest teammate, but think that I, I learned a lot of lessons along the way that and set good examples along the way of how to prepare and get the best out of yourself and then ultimately perform on game day. So that's uh, probably a little bit wankish, but... Um, no, nah, it's good. I think all you needed was just someone to pull you in the line at the time. You know what I mean? I'm thinking about it now. It's like if someone just grabbed you and said, listen, son, you, everything you're doing is the example for everyone, but you're too intense with these blokes. I want you to go mm. spend some time with but, them. But they did, mate. Like, and, but I oh, was, so you just, you reckon you ignored that? Uh, it wasn't so much ignoring. I just thought, you know what? I'm, and I remember I read something about uh, Scott Pendleby saying it the other day, is that you are, as a player, you're incredibly selfish and driven in your own, what you've got to do for your performance. You know, it's, everything's about your recovery, about you getting ready to play game day, essentially. And I was that, you know, and I, but I thought the best way to set an example was to drive hard standards and, um, and lead the way, you know, that's what I thought. But unfortunately, because I really battled with the, the lows of a bad performance or, uh, a loss, you know, that's where I probably let it affect me far too much mm. and didn't, um, didn't just be like, you know what, it's, the game's gone now mm. and I can't do anything about it. So, mm. um, but yeah, mate, I learned a hell of a lot of lessons and more more perspective probably the following year. My um, sister-in-law lost her life to brain cancer and then only a couple of months after that, my 
her son, little nephew, lost his life, completely unrelated to brain cancer as well as a two-year-old. And at that time, I was just like, footy is just so small in my world and our world compared to what's going on outside. And that was, it was really tough at that time, mate, because we were in Sydney, couldn't be there enough to support Katie's brother and the rest of the family with everything that's going, they were going through. And here I am worried about my calf. You know, and I'm not playing and my team's just won a, my old team's just won a flag and they're playing really good again. You know, they're looking like it. It's like, mate, there's so much more yeah. going on. Yeah. No, I saw that. I saw that interview with, um, Nerily Meadows and it was, it's emotional stuff. It's stuff that you don't, you don't, um, you don't know. You don't know what someone's going through. No, and, you don't. and, um, and when were you going through that? What time of the, was it, was it a strange, was that in season? Uh, well, Little Alfie, uh, he lost his life in uh, May, I think it was. So that was in season. And, and Sarah was early that year. So we had our last Christmas with her end of 2017. Yeah. Um, and yeah, mate, it was just a- Just a, it, it's just, yeah, it's just tough. It's, it's I, don't, like, I can't even relate to that. And then you put everything else you're going through. It's just a, it's just a real, you're in a bad headspace. I was. And, and um, yeah. and. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, let's just, I don't want to talk too much about that because anyone wants to see that interview. It's, it's, I mean, I know they start, I mean, I stop watching because I start crying, I get emotional. Um, what were your lessons out of that? What, you're obviously resilient. You've obviously overcome it. There's no doubt you're still, you know, there's still things you think about and still working on. But if someone went through that, that's a young player at Max Sports, mm. right? What's your, what's your advice to them? Yeah, it's, I think what my advice would be is that family always comes first. Um, and you should always put that first and foremost, you know, footy. And I think we've seen that now with Clarko with his saying, well, my mental space, my, um, mental health and my family have got to come way before me being a head coach and whatever else. And I think that's probably the key. He's like, if you're not right, mate, you've got to find someone that you can talk to or help you out with it. And mate, I'll always be that person to talk to about it for my client because I've been through similar sort of um, tribulations, but it's, uh, I'm not qualified, mate, as a psychologist nor psychiatrist or whatever to be able to really give um, and and um, knuckle down on it. But I've been through some, some shitty times and learnt that, you know, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, to use a, an old cliche. But um, look, it's a, it was a tough time, mate. And I realised that you know, you can go through these shitty times, but still come out the other side. And when I look at my brother-in-law and his ability to deal with all that loss and still be strong for his eldest son and be a good dad and not just turn to the bottle uh, or drugs or anything like that and focus on himself and his, his son says to me, this just like, you know what? I've got a bad because of my calf and my old team, but as this bloke, mm. he's just... He's just gone through everything he's done with his wife and his, his youngest son, but then he's trained and he runs an Ironman over in Kona, you know, and we all went over at the end of that year, 2018, and watched him run an Ironman in a ridiculous time for a guy who's not a professional. Um, and it was just like, man, this guy's inspiring, yeah. you know? And, and that, that's where it's sort of like put things in perspective. You know, footy's, footy's great and it always will be. It's, it gives, it's given me everything that I've got in my life right now but there's also so much more to life and, and it's so short lived as well footy. Like I was lucky to play for 15 years, but a lot of guys play for six max averages, four averages, three or four. So make the most of it while you're in it and get connected while you're in it. You know, like really 
get outside of yourself and go and speak to different people, mate. That's And one thing I admire about you is your ability to just talk with anyone, you know, and really find little ways that you can learn little pieces of information and whatever else. We didn't know each other from a bar of soap, only through Brando really um, was our sort of connection. Then Matty DeBoer obviously because he was there when you came, but mate, we hit it off because we well, we had our car issues, so we're probably yeah, brothers yeah. in that sense. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. Well, no, you're right though, yeah, and, and you're spot on. I mean, you, you do work out that it's short-lived and um, we're very lucky and yeah, perspective's everything. You know, we've all got a story. Um, I've got a really close mate and he knows who it is who, um, who lost his parents on a flight. And that's something that this, it's a, it's um, something that I always think about when I'm like, you know, don't be complaining about something. Like when you're genuinely having a bad day, you think about that and you go, oh, what am I complaining about? Get on with it, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's good advice from you to say you, you can get out of it. You can, you know, you, it's inspiring to see that he's run that marathon. It's inspiring to hear and it's great that you can talk about it. I think sharing these stories is so cool, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, especially hearing it from someone like you, a genuine superstar, like no sugar coating on it. The thing that's hard with the career is, you do get old, you know, you yeah. do, you can't stay at the top for so long. I've seen that Fife go through it now. Like yeah. he's still got a little bit in him, but you can see he's, he's coming as a sub. He's playing as a sub. Like he's, he's not 2015. Nah, five. nah, but that's the way that he would think he is. And that's the way everyone perceives him as. And it's just, you know, you just start to get a bit older and there's a young guy coming through like a Caleb Sarong who's yeah. now the new guy on the block. And it's hard, um, to, deal it's hard to deal with, I imagine, because yeah. it's hard to deal with that external noise that they yeah. put the pressure on you. Like you are, why aren't you playing like that form again? It's yeah. just the way it is. So, um, you, and this is why we'll end these segments now, but you, you look back on your career, mate, you, you did some amazing things individually, like the amount of games you played, it's crazy to think how you even did it. Um, but yeah, growing up, mate, as I said, I remember going to the G as an Essendon fan and you used to wear yellow boots a bit, didn't you? Like I used to remember seeing this bloke just running down the guts with a, having a few bounces, pure silk, like at the top of your game, like how does it feel to just know you used to just dominate? <laughs> like, <laughs> do you reflect on some games and go, wow, that was, uh, was, yeah. was uh, the, 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 you know, I might, I might have had a tough ending, but geez, I wish I just had one of those days again. Yeah, mate, and they are great days when you when you're on top of your game and you just feel like you can do no wrong. There's nothing better in a city which I've only established the last couple of years. I've only been here for about eighteen months. Um, it's full on. Yeah, it's almost too much. Yeah. I don't read and watch TV. I don't watch TV. Um, I don't read the papers. I might look at photos if my mates are in them to take yeah. the piss out of them. Yeah, yeah. Rarely do I look at the papers. Social media, I absorb a lot just yeah. because of the business. Um, but I can only imagine the 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 head noise, whether you're a gun or not, you're just yeah. in the paper flat out. So I imagine when you're dominating, you are the king. Yeah. <laughs> and obviously they try to bring you down as well, but right, when you yeah. are at the top of your game, that must feel good. Yeah. Oh, it did. I probably didn't have it earlier in my career because we had Richo playing, mate, and Richo was a superstar. Yeah, he was. And he was the big dog from the moment I got there that it was just all about um, Big Rick. To the point where he changed his na- nickname from Richo because everyone calls him Richo. Like, oh, just call me Rick. <laughs> <laughs> Not many people probably know that. Um, but yeah, he's mate, he was the, the guy that I looked up to, and I got along really well with Nathan Brown. Obviously, he was silk class half forward, mm. go on, on ball, but then broke his leg. Kane Johnson, I looked up to a hell of a lot because he just worked incredibly hard. Not the most gifted player, but worked so hard. Yeah. Um, but then those those times, mate, when it was probably like I won my first best and fairest in 08 um, and feel like, you know, I, I started to belong and, and I could understand my game a little bit. But it wasn't until another, that was a 21-year-old, it wasn't until probably another six years after that that I really understood footy. And I just remember talking to dad after one game and just being like, you know what, I feel like every game I go out there now, 
I'm going to play well because I understand the work rate and I understand where the ball is going to go and what's going to happen. So it's like a 27, 28 year old where you really start to understand. And there's freaks, mate. I get it. Like they just dominate from early yeah. age. And Nick Dacos, mate, like he, he's in that space already. Yeah. And you think maybe he's got that head, you know, he's got that. He's so wise because his old man's clearly taught him at a young age, just little things like maybe patterns and, you know, do this and do that. Stand here, don't stand there. And you can just tell. He understands his game. He gets the game. He knows where the ball's going to be. He knows what to do in certain situations. And they give it to him at all costs, mate, because he's such a great user and a good decision maker. Mm. But, um, yeah, I reckon 08, 09, the back end of 09, I was nearly dropped halfway through 09. Um, I remember being challenged by Cambo, uh, Wayne Campbell, he was our midfield coach. We played St Kilda. I was supposed to be tagging Jason Graham, I think. One stoppage, middle of the ground. I've gone this way. He's gone that way. Kicks a goal. He goes, how do you reckon you went? I said, oh, I thought, you know, bro, he had 21 or something. He had um, he had 24, maybe kicked the goal. You are fucking deplorable. <laughs> and I was just like, I could have just sat in front of everyone in the team meeting. I just was like, so they like honestly thought Plough had been given the ass at this time. Jade Rawlings is in charge as the coach. He rings me on a Thursday. I'm not sure which way we're going to go, mate. I think we might bring in a young Alex Rance and play your role. Um, I'll, I'll get back to you by the end of the day. Oh, you're kidding me. If this is the case, I'm out of here by the end of the year. If I'm getting dropped yeah. now, I'm out. Because you just want to BNF like the year before. Just want to BNF. But it's just been going average. Anyway, they said, right, we're going with you and you're going to become a tagger for the rest of the year. It's just like, oh. well, I'm not dropped. Tagger. I've, I've done that, man. It's, it, it actually, you know what? It actually helps you get the pill. Mate, and that's where my game went from average to the most contested ball in the back half of the year in the comp. You know, like I'm just wrestling these blokes and getting the scraps. Um, played that game up in the Gold Coast against Adelaide, for God knows why. Playing on Dave McKay, who was like yeah. playing really good footy on the wing. Kept him to 10 or 12. I had 30. I'm thinking, all right, this tagging thing's not too bad. Yeah. Um, ended up doing that at different players throughout the year. Got to the point where I played Sydney against Jared McVeigh and we just went head to head all day. He wouldn't even remember this probably, but I remember it because it was my role to shut him out. 14 touches each and just ran our asses off all day and everything was contested. Such a slog. Then played on Lee Harding. Remember Lee Harding played for uh, North Melbourne? North Melbourne, yeah, the Ford. Yeah, a Ford. Big solid bloke, yeah. So he was playing real good footy. Kick goals. So I'm playing on him, and I've got Josh Gibson trying to tag me playing on Lee Harding because I was because I was in good form. Yeah. You know? Um, and then Gibbo obviously goes, plays um, premiership player, best and fairest, whatever, as a back. Um, that, that was really um, – Good, a good time and I felt like I was earning my stripes yeah you'd be the most valued player like I always yeah. think about Ryan Crowley who's always the, the player you'd vote trade. we call it trademark which is our internal values and if they ticked him and he was always keeping players probably like yourself to 15s oh, is, and like we were we used to help him mind you I tell you oh. what the man of squealing he used to do oh I get it you know yeah. like obviously we'd see out but oh, you just knew that he was going to lock him up and yeah. give him a real tough day but and you played at the end of the, each game you knew you played a game because you'd work, you well, you, exactly. Because you're accountable to your bloke. I learned a lot off playing off Juddy, you know, and what he used to do, um, and other guys in that Andrew Welsh when he was flying at Essendon, you know, different guys. But mate, I uh, yeah, that was a time when you, you came off. But it was also the hardest block of training I'd done as well for the back end of the year. Every Thursday, I'd just get bashed by Cambo and Kane Johnson, one on one on two, and they would bash me, um, repeat efforts over and over, and then play on the Saturday. Yeah. Because I was like, well, hard work pays off. And I'm a big believer in that. 
Yeah. Nah, it's good. It's good. I'm going to get you back. We're going to do more, um, more, more potties. We'll talk more about footy because um, I know you've got to go. And what you've told me today, it's some great lessons. I appreciate it. Uh, and so does everyone else out there, mate. It's, as I said, I wouldn't, I don't think I've told, we haven't spoken about this. We've, how many times we sat in the locker room and talked shit for yeah, <laughs> however exactly. long. Um, but mate, you don't come on the, uh, the potty empty handed. And there's been a lot of talk about, oh, you know, we've been doing, you, we've been doing potties a while now on different, keep, different platforms. You found some. And, uh, I thought I've got to save the, uh, sunnies, mate. I know you've been at me to get you some, I was playing a few pranks on you, but yeah, you come on as, as American aces and you get some treats. Oh, mate. So, treat. <laughs> I've been hanging out for these. How long have I been here? up for these. Oh, mate, too long. Um, too long. So these are the Soho dark green crystals, grey polarised. These are uh, these are what you've been looking after for a while, mate. So you, you're welcome and uh, we and we love your support. You've got the Porters, you've got your Melrose, you've got, yeah. I think, everything. This is a different style, a bit square and thicker. Um, how they look? Yeah, they look good. I mean, yeah, it, it's hard. To, I, I say they look good, <laughs> whether they look horrendous. Um, they're different styles. I said they're thicker, they're squarer, um, and yeah, I, I, I like rock stars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I was gonna say it's always funny. Like Americans wearing. I mean, I got a sunglass company, right? I'd never wear sunglasses inside. Yeah. I just you can't see as clear. Like I like to just if I was at a basketball game, I watch all these yeah. superstars. They sit courtside and they got sunnies. Yeah, I'm like how do they see in the game? Like I'd rather experience that game with no sunnies on. Ad doing his press conference yesterday, he's just like kicking back. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. I've just had forty. Yeah. Um, Imagine doing that at the after the you know you you, you just been on the G and had thirty, yeah. um, mate. Rick's in retirement's the segment, so, so leave him on for this one. Just while oh. you tell me your location, essentially it's it's a hypothetical, but yeah. money was an issue. Uh, you'd achieved everything in the roles you know in life. Yep, um, you fulfilled. Where's the one place that Lidsey's taken the family in the world, taken the Rixies, uh, and why? Whoa, one place in the world, mate, to live forever after this? To or retire, as a retirement home. Yeah. Well, I can only go to places that I've been to, but it's probably, um, I got married in Byron Bay. I love Byron Bay. It's such a cool place. Um, so if I'm going up there to retire, I reckon that's probably my spot. Yeah, that's a great spot. Love that place. That's good. That, I think we might have had one of them, maybe not, but that's a great spot. We go to that, the famous <laughs> influencer heaven, that Ray's joint. Have you yeah. been there for yeah. dinner? Yeah. Unbelievable. Oh, unbelievable. And then diff- some different cats around Byron Bay, which is just like people watching a few beers at the uh, beachy. Is it the yeah. beachy? Is that what it's beach, called? The beach hotel. Yeah. yeah. One of the best pubs in uh, in Australia. I got married there, yeah, coming up 11 years ago. Um, and, mate, I only just went back for the first time, took my girls, and then went out to the place that I got married all last year because it was our 10-year anniversary. So oh, That's me. Um Mate, love that joint and looking forward to getting back there very, very soon. Oh, let me know when you're there, mate. Well, uh, <laughs> that, that's great. There you go. Lidsey's taking the fam to Byron Bay and the Rixies. Appreciate that, mate. You can take them off because I've got another little treat for you here um, from our friends Milwaukee. Now, mate, you know it's getting pretty cold at the moment. And I'm watching a lot of footy outside. Are you, watch, are you watching a lot of kids in the country in early hours of the day? Is it quite fresh? Freezing, mate. Well, mate, I've got something for you, right? Yeah. I've got the heated it? jacket. This is out of the oh, box. Mate. You can you get a brand new one. Have a go at this. So it's out of the box there. This is what it is. It's a heated jacket from Milwaukee. This thing is the Milwaukee Tough Shell Heated Jacket. It's the go-to for protection from the elements on the job site or when you're enjoying the outdoors. 
The M12 tough shell heated jacket powered by M12 red lithium iron batteries to provide lasting runtime, has three adjustable heat settings and zones to trap heat in all day warmth. Um, and to get you out of the cold immediately, there's also the M12 red lithium iron starter kit behind me. So, um, mate, I can only imagine uh, my parents probably watching me play AFL. If it was cold outside, <laughs> it was Geelong, you're whacking one of them on and you, you can at least enjoy your uh, your evening while I'm not getting a kick. There's the battery. So they go in the pocket. Yep. Uh, incredible stuff, this Edward as well. Said. Like Chatting to to uh, Tig Coyne, uh, the, the great man in uh, Milwaukee, talking to him about the actual product and understanding it. In your, in your left pocket, there's a little attachment yep. in there, and then that battery would go in it, attaches to that. Yep, yep. that's the thing. And then the cord goes in that, yep. and that button on the top, M12, you click that, and that heats you up, and there's three settings. There's so little, uh, heaters in here. It'll heat you up, yeah. Oh, wow, mate. So it's, and it looks – like, you know when you get these things, I thought, oh, it's going to be high-vis or something horrendous. Mate, yeah. they look it, – they're elite. Mate, this is uh, neat, isn't it? How yeah. Is it? Mate, I'll uh, be wearing this for sure out at uh, some cold games, mate. It gets that cold watching kids play. You've got to go and watch. But um, Christ, mate, this is uh, this is my new go-to for yeah, sure. Yeah, and um, no, I appreciate you throwing it on. With Milwaukee, we always love a segment, the Milwaukee handiest moment of your career. We asked two. We always ask who's the biggest tool in the locker room. We'll ask that in a second because it's a good tool. It's a bloke that carries on a bit. <laughs> who's um? What's the – and don't be humble here. This is a bit of um, – give yourself a bit of a polish here. This is when you think about your amazing career, the, what's the handiest uh, moments on the field, uh, the Milwaukee handiest moment where you just remember doing some – Something brilliant where you go. That's probably my highlight. If I, when I'm 60 years old and I'm telling the grandkids, oh, that's you know the old, the old boy used to be all right. Yeah, Look at yeah. this highlight. What what was it? Can you remember? Uh, well, probably a few. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're going to give ourselves a polish. Um, <laughs> there he is. There he is. Um, oh mate, like some of the, my favourite memories is. It, there's nothing like the uh, when the game opens up and you can see grass in front of you and you're going to start to take some bounces and the crowd can see it as well and they know that you're pinning the ears back and you're going to go for a bit of a run. And I always thought if I'm going for a run, I'm trying to kick goal. Um, so there's, there's a game I reckon round one, 2013 maybe. Yeah, I reckon it was. Um, kick, got a ball centered into play? me, played Carlton, Carlton. Um, round one and just – took off and I didn't know at the time, but then looking back on it, Juddy's behind me and everyone's like, oh, Juddy's that quick. And I was just like, yeah. <laughs> down I go. Knocked it through from 55 and, mate, that was that was a great moment. That, like In terms of like I played a great last quarter and yeah, last game of uh, 2008, um, which ultimately probably won me the best and fairest. But I um, kicked a goal earlier in the day but then went to full forward late late in that game and just couldn't couldn't be stopped essentially like oh everything was like the game had opened up I just got on the end of it kicked three two I reckon missed one from the top of the goal square I was filthy but taking marks and holding up um, but that was the quarter that I remember being the best but um, that that round one against uh, Carlton was the one where I was like, yeah, I'm feeling like I'm one here. This is going – I'm kicking goals from 50, 60. <laughs> That's and so good. burning off the Judd man. Um, and he'll probably say, oh, I was going half pace. But, um, <laughs> no, that, that were the days, mate. But, uh, yeah, 
Yeah, I used to just really pride myself on kicking running goals. I used to love them kicking them out of the center. Like they look the, oh, yeah. Anyone that bursts out of a stoppage, takes a bounce, and can yeah. kick it outside 50, it's the best yeah. looking goal. I think I'm still the record holder for the fastest goal in AFL history against the Dogs round three, 2012. What, off the top, uh, 20, off the 11, tip, just off the Ruckman? Ivan said, go from two to 10, mate, and I'm going to hit it there. And also, I've wrapped two to 10, come through, out out the front of the stoppage and one bounce goal or no bounce no bounce kick from just inside the square bounced uh, this far out that's you, so you, good you can see it it's on there but, yeah we'll um, get that up clip it up <laughs> this uh, is amazing uh, yeah that, kicking goals out of the middle and the first play of the game so it's like goes through without eight seconds um, so, so that's that, cool that's a little uh, Wikipedia uh, yeah. record that's a little uh, CSB uh, midfield meeting a little highlight <laughs> reel you know <laughs> yeah. your little uh, mid group and go this. Yeah. just do this boys yeah a little bit of stoppage structure here you go boys this is uh, when it goes to plan oh that's epic we'll clip that up and um, and have a look at that before we round out you look back now what are the best ga- like, what it was, Richmond's I always say like, with Dion Presti last week talking about just how lucky you know you, I always say now that I'm not playing and you are I'd going to the game having a beer just watching walking in seeing all the crowd like it's just so cool seeing yeah. 80,000 just take time out of their day to go watch a game of footy and and then you know to roar and you know kick a goal it must feel amazing dream time at the g um is an is a big event obviously Huge. round one uh obviously anzac day like playing at richmond what was the biggest game the crowd that you remember what was that day where you're like wow oh, yeah, this is this is unbelievable uh best game was the 2013 elimination final against carlton i remember we hadn't played finals since 01 or 02 uh and we were close the year before, just lost a few games by under 10 points, but finally got there in 2013 and we're playing Carlton who had snuck into the finals because Essendon got kicked out. Um, so we're like, please, we'll knock these blokes off. But I remember running out and running down to the punt road end and it got to that point in the song where it's yellow and black and I just looked across at Newey and Chappie and I was just like, how good is this? Oh. The hairs on the back of my neck are standing up. I'm just like, I'm amped. I'm ready to go. Yeah. Anyway, at the end of the day, we um, yeah, we got nutted by them. They, the <laughs> Juddy went on; he was on a tear. Mitch Robinson was going pretty well in the midfield. Um, one of the, I think one of the blokes that just got picked up kicked four, wasn't it? Wasn't uh, it? Nick Dygan. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Nick yeah. Dygan out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, but that, yeah, that atmosphere. That's that, what. It, that that's was, what footy is, and that's why I always say to my mates or anyone, even the American people we've met, mates, they go, "What, you know, what's AFL?" I said, "You just got to come to Melbourne." Come to a Richmond yeah. Carlton or a Collingwood Essen game, and if you can get there, you'll. It's like it's like gladiator. You know yeah, what I mean? Like yeah. you just don't need to know anything about the game. Just come sit in this stadium just and just listen to the crowd. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's it, playing at Richmond must have been oh, it's huge, mate. Yeah. I mean, Giants would have been amazing, but for different reasons. But Richmond's crowd, like that, you know, we used to, oh, mate, Freo, when we used to play this, it's like, oh, my, 60,000 versus yep. 10. Yeah. <laughs> but then I saw the other side of it too when that prelim was 94 2, you know, um, or oh, sorry, 92 2, 92,000 Tigs versus 2,000 Giants supporters. <laughs> and I was just like, Christ. It's a lonely place, oh, isn't lonely, it? Lonely, mate, lonely. <laughs> I was like, get me out of here. This is miserable. Oh, that's brilliant, mate. It's brilliant. Um, Thanks so much for your time. Again, anyone out there, uh, head online to Milwaukee. Get yourself a jacket. Them heated jackets are the go. If you want to look like Lids, Soho, dark green crystal, uh, use the discount code ACES 
at checkout. Can't thank you all enough for tuning in. I uh, really appreciate your support. If you haven't subscribed or followed us on our channels, please get around us. We're doing the five-star rating challenge at the moment. So if that gets to a thousand, we're organizing a big giveaway. But Lidsey, thanks so much, mate. Thanks for uh, being so honest. All the best. Um, I'll start palming some young fellas off. I don't know many. I've lost touch with all the young guys, but if we find any gems in Riddles Creek or anyone from the uh, Colder Cannons footy factory, I'll, uh, I'll let you know and flick them across. Get them into the Max Sports, mate. We'll look <laughs> That's after it, mate. Cheers, brother. Thanks, Appreciate man. it. Thanks for listening to another episode of Tommy Talks, where you literally can't thank you enough for all your support. Speaking of support, Milwaukee's MX Fuel equipment system revolutionizes the light equipment market by delivering the performance and durability demanded by the trades. From the MX Fuel cutoff saw and MX Fuel sewer machine to the MX Fuel power supply and the MX Fuel tower light, MX Fuel has you covered without the hazards associated with emissions, noise, vibration, and the frustrations of petrol maintenance. MX Fuel, equipment system, equipment redefined. Righto, we'll see you on the next podcast. Podcast.